Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hi, welcome back to Ayers on the Road. We, as you are listening, wherever you are, we are in Russia. Actually, we're on our way to Russia. We're in England heading for Russia. And it's, it's kind of fun to be in a place where a lot of things are new and where a lot of people are very, very interested in becoming better parents, becoming better marriage partners, doing their best on their highest priority of life, which is their family. You know, um, we've been in England a lot of times because we have a daughter who lives there. And um, she's been living there for about four years, and it looks like there'll be another two or three. So we're really sad that we don't get to see them as often as we'd like, but we're really kind of glad for the excuse to get there. <laughs> and and we, lived in, uh, we lived near London for about five years, and we think of it as our second home. Boy, you should have heard our kids. Our, our oldest kids were young when we first lived there, and by the time we got back to the States, they were so thoroughly British. They... <laughs> You'd have thought that you were talking to the queen herself when you heard these little kids talk. In fact, on the, remember on the plane on the way home after we'd lived there for nearly four years, um, say, I was showing Sadie American money, which she'd never seen before. And she looked at it and she looked at it and, and then she said, Dad, who's the queen of America? And I said, well, we don't have a queen, honey. And she said, well, then who do we put on our pound notes? <laughs> She was very confused. Only with a very British accent. Oh, yeah, very British. I would not try to duplicate that. Oh, those were the days. We used to walk our kids to school every day with the pram, the baby in the pram, and and uh, walk them to the gate. Every parent walked their child to the gate, elementary school. But before we get too far off on memory lane and talking about England and how much we love being here, Let's at least introduce, now we may deviate again, but let's introduce the theme for today's show. We're continuing in our little mini-series. Today we're up to myth number five, which we call the no-waves myth. In marriage, some things are better left unsaid, and it's safest to float along and not make waves. Now think about that. That, that seems to be... The prevailing wisdom in a lot of cases. How many times have you heard someone say, it's better left, better, some things are better left unsaid. Just don't make waves. It's just going to be better if you float along. Some things are better left unsaid. Now, Linda, we, we got corrected on that myth from a pretty good authority. This, this is kind of a personal myth to us because we sort of believed in it until one night while we were having dinner with Stephen Covey and his wife, Sandra. I'll never forget that night. Um, I won't either. It was pretty amazing. Um, he Actually, they lived not far from us, and they also had nine children. So we had an opportunity to have dinner then, with them once this, every six months, and sometimes what, only once a year. So it was really a privilege to be with them. But um, And we would always say, Stephen... And Sandra, too. She was just as great as he Terrific. was. We'd say, teach us. You know, you're, you're 15 years further down the road than us. Teach us. Tell us what we should know. Mentor us. You are our mentor, whether you like it or not. And, and this one night he said, okay, I'm going to give you two cliches, little phrases, and you tell me which one you believe in. Because you can't believe in both of these. They're mutually exclusive. 
And then he looked us right in the eye and he said, in marriage, some things are better left unsaid. And I'm kind of nodding my head and feeling pretty good about that. And then he says, here's the other one. Unexpressed feelings never die. They just get buried and come forth later in uglier forms. Which of those are you going to vote for, Richard and Linda? <laughs> and actually, I think I voted for the first one because... <laughs> I think um, I did too. <laughs> you know, some things, I mean, I don't think he meant, you know... Blurt it all out. Blurt it all out. Let it all hang out. And if, if your wife says, does this dress make me look fat? Say, oh, yeah. <laughs> what were you thinking well, when you bought that dress? It makes you look so fat. Well, you know, it's so clear to me now what he was saying. And, and, you know, he said, look, I think some things are better left unsaid in most relationships. I think you, you should just not say certain things in certain relationships with friends or peers in the workplace or, and so on. Especially if you're steaming mad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You, know, you really... Uh, but he wasn't talking about saying it while you're mad. He was, the, the, the saying is, some things are better left unsaid. Don't ever say them. Hold them in. Bottle them up, basically. They're better left unsaid. And he said the one, the one relationship where that is really bad advice, now we're calling it a myth. This is the fifth myth of marriage. He said is in a marriage because you want to become one. You want to become united. You want to live together forever. You cannot have secrets, even of the most subtle kind, even just not saying something that you're feeling. And then he zoomed in on the alternative phrase, and he kind of smiled. Remember he had that little, almost a little twinkle in his eye, and he's like, this is the true one. Unexpressed feelings never die. They just get buried, and they'll come out later in uglier forms. You might not even remember what you were upset about, but if you bottle it up, it'll fester, and it'll eventually come out in an uglier form. And he drove that into us. Boy, when we were young marrieds, boy, you had a hard time with that because I grew up with parents that were very different. I didn't ever hear my dad say anything. He clammed up. Um, about my mom and my mom, bless her, we love her dearly and she's such a fabulous example for our kids of so many things, but she was a type A personality and she wanted things done the way she wanted it done and da 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 and she was gone a lot because she was a pianist and accompanying people all over Bear Lake Valley at funerals and weddings and church and so on. And I never heard my dad say a bad word about that ever. And I think he had enormous self-control, but he bottled so many things. He up. did bottle things, and so up. did your mom. She would go in and you know slam the knife and fork drawer, but oh. she wouldn't actually tell him what was bothering her. Exactly. In fact, that was the way we knew my mom was angry. She would go in and just slam the knife and fork drawer, and the, I could just feel the see hear the <laughs> knives and forks flying around in that drawer because she was so mad, and I just thought. I will never do that to my children. I will never do <laughs> that to my children. It was therapeutic for her. It was. It felt good, I'm sure. But And I know because that's the first thing I did when we got to Boston. We got married, and four days later we drove across the country to Boston 
I got in our little apartment, our little one-room apartment. The western U.S., and, and there we were in our little one-room apartment, and I was mad at you about halfway across. That's the, true. You couldn't wait to get into a knife and fork door. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I just barely got them in there and wham. But, you know, and we didn't know each other very well. I mean... Linda, you're becoming your mother. <laughs> and, and I do. We do, don't we? And honestly, when we were driving across, remember we used to stop for Big Macs every once in a while? Don't get into the hamburger. We didn't bag, have but, any no. money. And Rick used to eat. We, we'd ordered well, two. Well, you told me you only wanted oh, half I a, hamburger. Had a hamburger. I, I didn't And he would order purpose. a Big Mac, and then he would eat his Big Mac, and then he'd eat half of my hamburger. <laughs> Let's and not even admit that we ate It took me half. That was right. Well, it was all we could afford. And uh, so it took me halfway across the country to tell you that I could eat my whole uh, hamburger and I, myself. And you told so, me that. So, you know, we just didn't know each other very well. You didn't hold that one in. That's the bottom line. <laughs> no, I did for halfway across the country. Come on. Um, but anyway, it is true that it takes some experience. It takes um, what happened to you in your past with your parents and so on, figuring out just how much to say and how to say so it. So let's, let's review and let's be a little more clear on what Stephen Covey, our mentor, our beloved mentor, was really telling us. He wasn't saying that there isn't the right time and a wrong time to say things. He wasn't saying, don't let anger control your conversations. He, he wasn't saying any of those things. He was just saying, don't bottle anything up permanently. There are no things that are better left unsaid in a marriage. Now, you may want to find the right time, and we've told you on the show before that we think sometimes Sunday afternoon in a testimony meeting, quote-unquote, is the very best time to, uh, you know, to to say certain things. But he was saying, and he made it very clear, and I will never forget it. The one I believe in, he said, and Sandra, his wife, echoed this, is that, you know, if you have an unexpressed feeling in a marriage, and you bury it, it will come forth later in uglier forms. It's kind of like a Halloween image. You bury this. You bury this feeling, and it comes forth later in uglier forms. It, it morphs into something bad. Well, let me explain the uglier forms, because I have done this so much. Yeah. <laughs> I know how that feels, because you think, oh, I'm not going to make a big deal of that. I mean, my feelings were really hurt. I know he didn't mean to hurt my feelings, but my feelings are really hard, hurt, and he's kind of an insensitive person. Hey, wait so a second. I'm oh, just going to bury saying. that. Oh, yeah. before you really knew the sensitive me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, I'm just gonna. I'm just not gonna say anything. I'm not gonna cause waves and so on. And then it, things keep happening, keep happening, and you just think, oh, I'm. I, it's okay. I'm just gonna let that go. And then all of a sudden, some little simple thing happens. And out it, it comes. It explodes. And I don't know if any of you listeners have ever experienced that, but I have so many times in my life. And then you start thinking back. Why did what happened? How did that happen? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I was really mad about this. We didn't ever talk about it. I was really mad about this. We didn't right. ever talk about it. I, and it really is so important to express how you feel, even if it's not right at the moment when you're angry. So again, the myth, myth number five in the eight myths of marriage is some things are better left unsaid. That is just a myth, and there is a replacement for it. And it has to do with timing and sincerity and being open and having the goal to share everything. And so here's the full truth. 
Unexpressed feelings never die. They just get buried and come forth later in uglier forms. Timing is important, but the best marriages communicate everything, even when it creates some turbulence. And you can minimize the turbulence by how much you share. Now, there's four sub-myths with this myth that'll, that'll flesh it in and, and help all of us to understand it a little better. But before, maybe we better wait till after the break to start that, Linda. We've just got a couple more minutes, and I want to I wanna use this time to sort of, I don't know, bear my soul on how important I think this is. When you make a commitment within a marriage that you are going to go for oneness, that ultimately that's your goal in life, that you want to share everything, that you're willing to give up your independence in favor of something better, which is interdependence. Once you make that kind of a commitment, and that's huge, and, and I understand that it's not an easy commitment to make, and there are a lot of married people that haven't fully made that commitment yet. But if that's your goal, if that's what you're working toward, if that's what you want to become in your marriage, then the question isn't what things should I tell this guy and what things should I hide from him or what what should I open up to my wife about and what should I bottle up in myself? That's not the question. The question is how do I find the right way and the right time to communicate lovingly what my feelings really are? And for what it's worth, we still to this day, and we're approaching our 50th anniversary, we have a little feeling session on Sundays where we air out anything that's on our mind, anything that isn't right, anything we've been bottling up, anything we hadn't had time to discuss, anything we were a little too mad about yesterday, but now we see it clearly and we want to talk about or, it. Or your children interrupted you just when you were about to have yeah, a really good yeah. argument. <laughs> and you, you really have to get back to it at some point to work it out because... I mean, you know, it was just something silly, and as you've talked about a hundred times before, you don't need to keep bringing that up. But if it's something that really needs to be talked about, it's so important to do it. So we'll take a little break, and then we'll come back and really flesh in this myth with some of the sub-myths that tend to surround it. And we'll tell you a little more about lovely England, where we are now, and, and Mother Russia, where we're going in a couple of days. We'll be right back after this break. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back on Ayers on the Road, talking today about the myth of marriage number five, the myth that some things are better left unsaid in the marriage. And we've kind of beat that horse to death, Linda. Let's, let's flesh it in a little more with some of these sub-myths. But before we do that, aren't you glad to be back in England? What a place. Oh, we love this place so much. And we've loved it even more as we've explored things that we never saw when we were here because we were so busy with missionaries. That we were here, Richard was mission president 43 years ago. Oh, don't we even, arrived don't even tell that. 43 I mean, I was years a baby. Ago. You were a baby. Oh, my goodness. That's a long time. But we've been back and lived in England since. And by the way, on this point, Linda, um, I don't want to, you know, generalize, but. The British have a little trouble with this marriage myth. I mean, one of the British traits is keep a stiff upper lip. And sometimes yeah, that do. means hold things in. Um, and again, you know, it's a, it's a cultural thing. Um, some of you might come from Italian ancestry and you let everything out. 
And, you know, there is part, part of this is your culture and your family culture. So we know each yeah, of you has true. to approach this in a, in a little different way. But let us read some of these sub-myths just to give you a little better idea where we're going with this. Sub-myth number one. Too much of the wrong kind of communication can ruin a relationship, so share a little less. We hear that a lot from people. Like, well, the time we get in trouble is when we're trying to communicate too much. That just brings out all the problems. Yeah, but it says too much of the wrong kind of communication. Right, right. And there is a right and wrong way to communicate. And we did it wrong quite a lot. Yeah, that's for sure. But here's the, but replace that myth with this truth. More often, it's too little of the right kind of communication that puts marriage in peril. So share more. I mean, I think you, it's not about what not to do. Shift to the positive. Make the commitment that you're going to try to share more. It's amazing how many couples don't know much about what each other does during the day. We sometimes do an exercise with that where, what do you think your husband does during the day? And she's like, well, he goes to work. Yeah, but what does he do there? What, what are his worries? What, what's on his mind? I don't know. Well, what, what do you do at your place of work? Or what do you do at home when you're here? and ask the husband or ask the other spouse, I don't, I'm not sure, what do you do, honey? And it's like, if we could just have the goal, share more. And if it gets boring, you can always move on to another subject. But what'd you do today, honey? What'd you think today? What was on your mind? What, what Who'd happened? you talk to? Who'd you what talk are, what's to? happening at the office? Yeah. Just, just share more. Here's sub-myth number two. Marriage kills excitement and romance, and relationships get stale and less passionate over time. Well, we run into a lot of, especially young marrieds, who are like, oh man, we've been married for 10 years now, or 5 years now, and it ain't <laughs> as exciting as it used to be. We're, we're, we're getting a little stale. Well, <laughs> that's your own fault, because here's the truth. Communication can rise to new levels after the marriage commitment and steadily improve over time. Lifting passion, lifting romance, lifting magic, lifting excitement up. And we're here to testify to that. Our, I mean, I'm just going to say, I'm, I'm not bragging, I'm just telling you the facts. Our marriage is more exciting, more passionate, more fulfilling, and frankly, more exciting than it's ever been before. Well, but you have because to Because of realize, you, you're just an exciting well, woman. You have to realize that everybody's different though, honey. And, um, you know, we have friends who, their husband is just not a communicator. It's really hard for them to communicate because the husband, I mean, the wife is ready to talk, 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 talk all day, but the, it's very hard for the husband well, to communicate. Well, that's why we're doing this myth. I mean, if you're one of those guys out there that isn't communicating, get out from under this myth and start sharing more because it can get more and more exciting. Well, easily said, right? Uh, but for those of you who live with a non-communicative person, I mean, my dad, I don't know how often how he ever shared his feelings. I wonder if we, if we knew him again now, if we could get him to share more. Who knows? Who knows? He had some wild... He did tell some great stories, I'll tell that. But Let's read the third sub-myth. The third one... The hardest thing to agree on, the hardest things to agree on are money, sex, goals, parenting methods, and religious beliefs. I mean, how many times have you heard that? You can read that. You, you can go Google that right now. Just go Google the main causes of marriage. And you, the, you will you mean get... mean divorce. I mean, the sorry. <laughs> the main causes of divorce. And you'll find dozens of articles. And they all basically say that, you know, they all kind of agree 
Uh, well, they, they're based on data. You know, what, what reasons do people give for their divorce? And the five leading answers to that question, the five leading causes of divorce, are, fit into those five categories. You know, we just, uh, you know, uh, money differences, uh, sexual intimacy differences or problems, difference, different goals, we're not agreeing on goals, um, diverging parenting methods, we're not, we're, we, we, we have different ideas about how to raise kids, or the last one, different faith, different beliefs, different religion. So here's, here's the truth we'd like to have you flip that to its positive and say, hey, guess what? These five most common causes of divorce can be flipped over into the five key subjects of a good marriage communication. In other words, what if instead of worrying about these five, oh, they could hurt our marriage, they're the enemy, they're dangerous. What if you were to say, because they can be dangerous, we're going to make sure that we have an open communication and really share our feelings on all five of those things. I'm not going to have secrets on them. I want you to know how I feel about money. I want to know how you feel about about sex, about our intimacy, about goals, about parenting methods, and about our faith. Open up. Share those things. Well, let's just take one of those for just a minute because uh, we have some friends who are just young married. They're darling. But he is between jobs. So now he is decided. I mean, he's staying home for a couple months between jobs. So the wife you know, had the parenting all figured out. They've got two little preschoolers and she yeah. had this all set. And now yeah. he's home and he has his own ideas about yeah. parenting. And they're having a really tough time with their marriage because they've never really talked about it. And they both come from completely different backgrounds. But, my, but the point parents. is, that even though this is an adjustment and they're now finally talking about it, they've been married, what, for five or six years? Well, and they just haven't known because they haven't yeah, been they haven't with each known. other. Yeah. So, so this is a little, little friction, a little uh, up and down, but they're going to come out of it stronger because to go on year after year not knowing if he's critical of her parenting methods and she's right. doing it all and not telling him and so on, that's headed for nowhere. So instead of being afraid of these, these, these five areas, when you sit down and have a meeting, if you have these Sunday meetings we're advocating, have those five things be your agenda. But Honey, even, how are you feeling about sex right now? How are you feeling about money right now? Don't be afraid of them. Dig in. Find out. And even if you don't agree... It's yeah. still okay to talk about it because sometimes you just have to agree to disagree. Because you really believe one way is the best and the other spouse really believes the other way is the best. And you, over time, you adapt the best and in both so, worlds. And so, yeah, you can accept that. Like, okay, aha, I get it. This is, this is the way he's reacting because this is what he really believes. And right. I can, we can work with that. And we can, we can learn and come to compromise on many things. And over time, our differences will combine in a synergistic way and we'll, we'll agree. But we can't expect to agree right away, but at least we're talking about it. And that's better than if we were hiding these differences. It's people who never talk about these five areas that end up having one of them or more become the reason for their separation or their divorce. Yeah, exactly. All right, sub-myth number four. Is marriage is serious business. Now, you have to say that. I mean, why do we say that's a myth? Because you hear people say, marriage is a serious business. It's almost like they're scared of it, right? Right. And the truth to replace it 
is. Part of it sure is, but there have been but there had better be another part, because from our experience, a sense of humor ranks number one in what we look for in a spouse. Oh, so, you know? in other words, if, you, if you're taking your marriage so seriously that you're not laughing, you're not making each other laugh, you're not, you're not smiling and, and going around and seeing the, the humor in life, and even the humor in your relationship, then, hey, you better start looking harder. <laughs> You know, I have to say that when I wrote my list of things that I wanted in a husband, sense of Why humor did you do was that, number by the way? What, one. Was that like an assignment? Didn't you do that? Doesn't everybody do that? Well, I write down the attributes. Did you just do that on your own? Find? Did you just sit down in your diary and of write course. down? You didn't do that for a school assignment? No, or? of course not. I you mean, just, everybody that's looking for a spouse at some point oh, has I'd got love to, to see find what that old list. For. Do you Me still too. have that somewhere? The only thing I remember is that number one was a sense of humor. And uh, I and I found that you you're pretty funny. There there are some serious <laughs> <laughs> parts of your personality, but um, it really is fun to. Sometimes life just gets so ridiculous that all you can do is laugh, and I think it's so good to laugh about you know a crazy experience of crisis and you know every kid in a mess at the same time. Or it just seems like it gets so overwhelming and. Sometimes you're driven to laugh when there's nothing else you can do. Well, yeah, sometimes your your only choice in a family, especially with a lot of little kids, is you're going to laugh or you're going to cry. You know, which one? <laughs> like all the kids spill their milk at the same meal. Is that funny? Well, no, but... By the last one, it's funny. Yeah, if crisis plus time will equal humor. Yeah, and that that works too. And what you want to be careful of is laughing when your spouse doesn't think it's funny. <laughs> right. That's, it's not good when one of you thinks it's funny and the other one is crying. <laughs> yeah, uh, we've had that experience too. Yeah, be, yeah. be sensitive to that other person's feeling, you know. And so there's an honesty to it. But anyway, you get the idea of this, th this whole business, this whole group of myths that we're talking about today is... We, we, we could lump them into one category, you know. Uh, they're the myths about no waves, the myth about friction, the myth that you can just be plutonic and happy and, and nice all the time and, and just avoid conflict, steer clear of things you disagree in, just, just go along and keep it on an even keel. And if there's somebody that's upset, just walk out and, and come back in two or three hours and hope that it's all solved itself. Just bury those problems. It just isn't going to work over time. And again, I wish we could all find the middle ground on this thing. I wish we could all just get to where we're, we're cautious. We don't want to hurt each other's feelings in any way. But we need to get out what we're worried about or what we're communicating about. And for what it's worth, again, the best way we've found is have a time and a place have a have a meeting once a week. We think that's the best. We've told you before that our our marriage counselor, the guy that married us, actually once said, "Don't ever let the sunset on a disagreement." That didn't work for us. We were up all night. But you got to have a point at some. You decide when it is. We think at least once a week. Clear the air. And I have a challenge for you. Meet together this week on Sunday afternoon or whenever it's convenient even if it's not convenient, and really ask each other, write down, to, write down three things you think I need. 
I'm going to write down three things I think you need. And then exchange papers. That'll paper. start the communication. It'll start going. the communication. So we're going to sign off. Join us next week on Ayers on the Road when we get to myth number six, which is a scary one. You wouldn't buy a car till you'd taken it for a test drive. Don't get married till you've lived together. That's a dangerous myth. And we'll talk about it next time on Ayers on the Road. We'll see you then. Bye-bye.